Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, and I'm joined by... Nancy Prayer Johnson, Associate Editorial Board Editor and Columnist. And Metro Editor Greg Jefferson. Recording this on Monday, uh, July is it the 11th, right? Is that? I've is lost it? track. I, I think it's it. the 11th. Um, Maybe. Yeah, it is. Okay. What Maybe. I do know is that this past weekend we had record breaking heat and record breaking energy usage in the state of Texas. And as we're recording this, there we're we're getting warnings about kind of uh, <laughs> regulating our our energy usage particularly this afternoon a lot of uh fears out there about some kind of repeat of or rolling blackouts or some kind of repeat of the problems that we've had in the past i mean what do you think i think um <clears throat> I think I'll totally turn down my or turn up my <laughs> air conditioning. No, it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I I would really be interested to see some kind of study showing compliance. Like when they ask for voluntary cutbacks to set your yeah. you know thermostat at what is it seventy seventy eight seventy eight yeah. Does that happen? I don't think so. Well, my husband, <laughs> my husband does the cars on seventy eight. Oh, seriously, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, okay. yeah. all the time. <laughs> I mean, look, I've got dogs. They yeah. need to be cool. They get really grumpy otherwise. No, yeah. I know. It's like oh, there are all kinds of good reasons to keep your thermostat low. Uh, but I just question how effective these voluntary compliances yeah. things are. It comes into yeah. this thing where you can convince yourself. Well, if if I if I suffer in the heat, it's like, how much, how much good am I really right. doing? And if I, on the other hand, if I keep my, my thermostat at 73, how much harm am I really doing? And like, what if everybody takes that right. mentality? I mean, yeah, I you know, you could look that. at it in a, a really big, you could take an economic approach to it. So my productivity is going to plunge. If I'm working from <laughs> home and it's 78 degrees, I'm working at half speed. Mm -hmm. So it's really better for the economy and society at large. If I keep my thermostat at like, 71, something like that. I think you've got a so. political career ahead of you, but um, <laughs> we're going to talk a little yeah. bit more about the grid and how it relates to what's going on in Texas politics uh, later on. I wanted to talk about um, the precinct three county commissioner seat. Um, I think a lot of you know that Trish DeBerry resigned her seat last December to run for county judge. It was too late for there to be a primary elections to to pick the the nominees for both parties. Uh, it, it, her, her resignation triggered a 2022 election, but it was too late to have primary elections. So both parties had to pick uh, their nominees. The Democrats uh, picked uh, activist Susan Corbell a while ago. And there, and this is a Republican seat, so there was a lot of interest in in what the Republicans were going to do. You had nine candidates running. Last Thursday, they met at the precinct chairs for that precinct met at Aggie Park, and uh, they had to go through four ballots. They had this system where at the end of every ballot, you had to get a majority, 53 out of 105 votes. And after each ballot, they would drop the two lowest finishers. And so you were just kind of the, the, the race. Uh, was getting you know whittled down until you finally ended up with Grant Moody, who's a Valero executive, and 
uh, Maria Lynn Bernard, who was the interim county commissioner, is the interim county commissioner, was was appointed by Nelson Wolf uh, about six months ago. And uh, I think that ultimately the race was decided by the fact that Maria Lynn Bernard um, had been appointed by a Democrat, Nelson Wolf. I don't think there's there were really any strong uh, arguments against her tenure uh, as county commissioner. Carlton Soltz, the former councilman, made the case that, you know, she voted 616 out of 670 times with the Democrats. She said, well, they voted with me 616, uh, you know, all, the, all those times. Um, but really, when you when you look at, at the the objections to her, it was pretty much mm-hmm. she she was appointed by a Democrat. And we know what our, our climate is like. That doesn't it is, yeah, it is, but it's kind of, it's also kind of silly when it you is. get, when you get down to that level of government, yeah. I mean, these are not, you yeah. know, these are not politically charged, <laughs> you know, right. issues that yeah. county commissioners are dealing with. So yeah. it, to me, I mean, to, yeah. to try to, to look at it within a partisan framework, in some ways it, it is just silly. It I is mean, silly. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, uh, Carlton Soul's kind of, he went negative. He was kind of, he was able to kind of weaken, uh, Marilyn. Bernard uh, early on in the process. And so Grant Moody didn't really have to until when he got down to the final two, he did say, Mm -hmm. you know, she's the candidate of the status quo. If you're happy with the status quo, go with her, which is how many times have we seen politicians? (laughs) I will say um, a couple of things that were interesting. Patrick Von Dolan, who uh, is, you know, a hardcore social conservative. And I thought he would have more support from the base Mm -hmm. than he did. He finished like a distant fourth in the first round. He got like 14 votes uh, out of um, 105 or so. So, and then his, you know, he, his support kind of diminished. Um, I think that uh, I expected him to do better. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this about, about Grant Moody. We're going to see, we'll know, learn more about his, uh, you know, his stance on various issues, but Putting all that aside, I mean, he's he's a really impressive yeah, where, cat. Where did this guy come from? I mean, this, this guy <laughs> I mean, is like he's. I mean, his resume. It almost like, it's almost like, it's like wow, it's almost pretty impressive. impressive. It's, it's he's only forty two years old. Mm-hmm. He has an economics degree. He has master's degrees from both the Wharton School and Texas A and M. He was a Marine fighter pilot with deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. He's been an executive for both USA and Valero. With Valero, he's the uh, director of innovation and low carbon fuels. He uh, was a legislative aide to Mike Pompeo when Mike Pompeo was in Congress. Mike Pompeo, everyone knows, uh, later became Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, he. This is his, his first time he's run for anything, and I just have a feeling that uh, the, this is somebody we're going to hear about for a while. Um, it's yeah. yeah, I mean, so was this his first office? I mean, this is his first campaign. Basically. Yeah, he's been right. involved with so, the party, uh, right. and uh, you know, he was, uh, I believe, a national a delegate to the national convention in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, and he's been a precinct chair, I believe. But so he's he's been involved with the party. But this mm-hmm. was, a, I mean, it was a, a big step. You know, coming out of the, the right. business world to decide to actually run. And do we know anything about his politics? So we know he's a Republican. <laughs> we know he worked for Mike Pompeo. We know he was a national committee man on the RNC in 2016. Does he believe, for example, that uh, the election was stolen from? <laughs> These are going to be <laughs> from, from Donald question. Donald Trump. These are going to be <laughs> interesting. Uh, it's yeah. a it's a good question, and I think that you know one one of the things that you know Von Dolan, for example, was the one who talked about you know, life, liberty, uh, low taxes. And he mentioned election security. He was, I think, the, the one person that I remember mentioning election security. I think uh, we're, we're going to learn more about Grant Moody on some of these issues. What he talked about on Thursday was really uh, 
fiscal conservatism. He talked about the county getting in debt and and his problem with that. He talked about property taxes, which they all did. Hmm. Um, but these are going to be the, I think this is going to be really important to see where he stands on this. Cause I do think he has the potential to have a big future in the, in the Republican party, but um, where he stands on. Is there on anything, is there anything you can take away from uh, Patrick Von Dolan's like really pretty, you know, yeah. unexpectedly bad performance. Does that say anything about the Bear County Republican party? I, th- I think it, it might indicate that, um, the the we think that it's a monolithic block the republican party now that it's that it uh that some of the the you know the the he talks a lot about abortion he talks uh you know uh, about guns he talks uh, you know and and their support uh, certainly the you know the the people in the room i think were consistently uh pro-life and so but i think that there there's a tone that you know he's he's had a very belligerent tone over mm-hmm. the years and I think we all kind of assume that that plays really well with the Republican base and, mm-hmm. and it has for some candidates, but uh, there is nuance to this. And I think that some of the people in the room, I, my sense was that they thought he was not going to be a good messenger for the party. Mm-hmm. They may have not even disagreed with him too much on a lot of the issues, but they thought that he, he didn't, he wouldn't represent the party well and possibly even um, create an opening for a democratic candidate in that precinct and, and probably for Trisha Berry's mm. county judge candidacy. So I, I, you know, there, there are these little things that come into play where, you know, maybe people just think, I, I don't want this person representing us. And mm. Grant Moody, I think is probably closer to what a lot of people in the party mm. would like to see representing them right now. Mm. I hope he continues the momentum of Trisha Berry. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is he going to be supportive of the domestic violence um, efforts mm. of funding the courts and making sure that the money is being used um, well, right? And, and trying to tackle domestic violence. Does he even care about it? Right. Yep. Is he going to pay attention as closely as she did? Um, that's my my biggest question for him yeah. uh, hopefully we'll we going forward. I hopefully we can get him on the podcast soon. Um, yeah. Nancy, I wanted to talk to you about a, a column that you wrote over the weekend. And this was about uh, Marisa Perez, who's been on the, the State Board of Education for years. And she uh, put out a, a, a sort of really I think it was me- meant to be provocative yeah. uh, video on Facebook. And it, it was her response to the recent Supreme Court decision overturning uh, the constitutional right to abortion. Um, what did what did she do and, and what was her uh I guess what was the the point that she wanted to make? Yeah, so I was I was pretty uh, shocked when I saw her video at first. It was hard to watch, I thought, um, but extremely brave, right? Mm-hmm. And so I explained in my column that there is no way, so no video like that exists of me giving birth to my son, um, and. Even if it did exist, I would not be brave enough to share it with mm-hmm. the world. And she did, you know, and um, she had done another post before as soon as the decision was made um, showing, you know, she was not in support of that. Um, and then so then she shared this video. It's 15 seconds. And it is right at the moment of when she gave birth to her, her last son. So she has three children mm-hmm. um, and he's one year old. He's one year old. And um, so she shared that. And, you know, it's 
um, childbirth is painful, right? Mm -hmm. And so she shared, uh, you know, dangerous, dangerous. Yes. And that was the point, you know, I've been reading a lot of um, doctors and every medical association out there and doctors and OBGYN groups, and everybody is against this for medical reasons. And I think that that is something that's lost in um, the pro-life. They don't think about what women's bodies go through Mm -hmm. physically, right? And what can happen in pregnancies. And they just dismiss that. Now, I did get some responses in my inbox, right, from people who are just completely against um, what I wrote in my column and what Marisa shared, which is women should have a choice, right? And mm-hmm. and I do believe that um, most Americans, and you'll see in polls and everything, that mm-hmm. most Americans are more in the middle, and it is more nuanced. There is more gray area mm-hmm. with abortion. Um, I did say in there that, um, you know, I wrote that abortion, you don't have to be pro-abortion and be Mm -hmm. pro-choice. You know, I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. My um, stepdaughter just had twins and they're adorable. And there's nothing else I'd like to do than just sit and hold them. Right. And Mm -hmm. and they're so precious. And and so you don't have to be. you just don't have to paint it with such a broad brush, you know, that if you're pro-choice that you that you enjoy, you know, women getting abortions, that's something you want to see. Um, but, uh, you know, the people that are against it, that is that is what they <clears throat> say. They don't um, picture, you know, the women that have to carry these babies mm-hmm. and what can happen to them. And then it, it really holds doctors in a way that doctors can't help the women. And they do say that women will die, you know, and. There was a um, stat, I wrote down a note right here that was in there, um, a study from Duke University. It was just in 2021 estimated that, um, you know, banning abortion would lead to 21 percent increase in pregnancy related deaths. And so I just feel that, you know, and I wrote that. Okay, so we're trying to take care of babies, which is wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. All most people love babies, um, and I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't love babies, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we're also forgetting about the women, mm-hmm. right? And and Texas especially, but our whole country doesn't do enough to help women, and they won't, they never will. You know, um, the Republican Party, um, the GOP and all the pro um, pro life, they just say, well, um, you know, now we're going to make it better for Mm -hmm. women. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now we're going to make sure foster care has more money. And I mean, come on, foster care has always been broken. Mm -hmm. And is that what you're saying? You want these babies to end up in foster care, you know, and then it's going to be a better system for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't believe that it'll ever be women will ever have enough help to be able to have all these babies yeah getting to your you know your, your point about the nuance in this and you know we think of texas as a very uh and it is a very you know conservative yeah. and and generally a pro-life state um and certainly our politics has reflected that but if you look at the texas politics mm-hmm. project poll which came out last week which i wanted to talk about for for various reasons mm-hmm. i mean one of the things they asked about was um how much time should a woman have to obtain a legal abortion and um Texas said never. 54% basically supported a woman's right to abortion under with with the the um, the percentage of support differing based on Mm -hmm. on on the particular factors. Within the first six weeks of pregnancy, there were 11%, 12 weeks. 12%, 12%, uh, 24 weeks, 9%, 36 weeks by. So it, it uh, and then you had 17% saying at any time. So um, it really depends. I, I think there, when we tend to have absolutes with our, our two major parties, but I think when you actually talk to individuals, there's a, 
you see it, it, a lot. It depends on how you frame the question. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I wanted to, to delve into this Texas politics project poll a little bit more. Uh, it, it revealed that um, or confirmed what we've seen from other polls recently, which is that, that the idea that Beto O'Rourke is uh, maybe closing the gap somewhat on Greg Abbott. Um, recent polls have had him within five in the range of five to eight points. He was the margin was double digits a while back. In this Texas politics uh, project poll, he's down six points, 45 to 39. So Greg Abbott is still in a pretty solid position. But the thing that, that really stood out to me from this poll, and I was talking to you, Greg, just before we started, is that in this same poll in February, 40% said that Texas was on the right track. 46% said on the wrong track. Now, 31% say Texas is on the right track, 59 mm. on the wrong track. That's a really remarkable shift. Mm-hmm. Um when you consider that we've had, you know, if you look at our, our governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, these are all people who've been there for at least two terms, mm-hmm. running for re-election, and uh, by nearly a two to one margin, people are saying the state's on the wrong track. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I think for years and years, Greg Abbott and Dan Pat- Patrick have been able to play these really red meat issues to really excite the base, uh, cracking down on the border mm-hmm. and illegal immigration, uh, loosening and essentially doing away with gun restrictions and, you know, trying to do everything they could to effectively outlaw abortion. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade uh, changed mm-hmm. their math entirely for a lot of people. I mean, Finally, I mean, this was, mm-hmm. you know, this was decades in the making, the, the overturning of this right. Uh, but finally, I think that could be what has turned people around and say, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. is this is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is this is this is a right that is actually being taken away from us because of this concerted action and politicians like Greg Abbott and like Dan Patrick. And I think. There will be a price to pay for that. So, I mean, for years, they could take these issues and they could build support, uh, you know, for their candidacy among this base and not have really that much of a price to pay for Mm -hmm. the broader electorate. I don't think that's true anymore. And with gun laws, um, you know, I think we'll really see over time what the Uvalde school shooting means for and, you know, how, how yeah. Texans really think about gun control, whether it's it's something we need more of or we're fine as is. I suspect we've reached a turning point with the shooting. Mm-hmm. And and I think uh, the electorate is really much more open. And polls so far mm-hmm. have shown this. In fact, that very poll uh, that we are more, uh, you know, we're more open to the idea of restricting access to firearms, particularly right. assault style firearms. Um, So, I mean, for a big part of, you know, Texas, you know, for a big number of Texas voters, uh, Abbott is just on the wrong side of this issue. And they realize it now (laughs) after after Uvalde in a way they really hadn't before. Uh, So this was kind of a polarizing thing. And as far as, um, you know, the crackdown on immigration, I'm, I'm really curious about, I mean, God, you know, we had 53 immigrants die in San Antonio as a result mm-hmm. of, you know, they were being smuggled into the country on a tractor trailer without air conditioning. 
And yet we keep hearing this rhetoric from Greg Abbott that the borders are open under Biden. If that's the case, that never would have happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about whether, you know, how is that going to move Texas voters? I mean, does it change the way they think about, you know, Abbott's operation, Mm -hmm. you know, Lone Star on the border and all of this, you know, the millions and millions of dollars that he's picking from different, you know, departments, state departments uh, to fund this? Like, is that going to change the way we we think about Abbott and this border crackdown, which is kind of Mm -hmm. fake? Um, I don't know. We'll see. But I think I think that poll, you know, that really high percentage of people thinking that Texas is on the wrong track. I think a lot of this is feeding into that. Right. Right. They're seeing the results of it. Right. I mean, I, I think if you just look at it. Like, okay, who's who's in power now mm-hmm. and what's happening? Is it working? Yeah. And yeah, obviously yeah. what's happening now is not is not working well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're showing in those polls. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, politics works best when it responds to practical concerns mm-hmm. and when the voters are able to really um, kind of get past a lot of, you know, grandstanding mm-hmm. uh, demagoguery. And kind of and and yeah. zero in on what what are the practical concerns that I have and the state has and 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 it, are they being addressed? And I think that we saw in the last uh, legislative session there was a lot of, mm. in my opinion, a lot of grandstanding on stuff like uh, you know what's being taught in schools, critical yes. race theory, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of stuff, going after Books. transgender kids and so yes. on. So I think that getting back to the issue of the grid, which we're dealing with this week. Um, I think there's some real questions about whether that was addressed uh, adequately in that last le- session. And people, uh, regardless of who they vote for, if their power goes out, right, I was going to say, yeah, Abbott's in trouble <laughs> if if there are a bunch yeah. of of blackouts uh, yeah. this week or at any point this very hot hot summer. Uh, yeah, so if we go from freezing a year and a half ago yeah. to sweltering yeah. uh, because of a grid failure or near failure. Yeah, there will be a price to pay for Abbott. And, you know, everybody remembers George W. Bush's uh, mission accomplished moment when he basically, when he was at least perceived as declaring victory in Iraq and it didn't turn out to be the case. Um, Greg Abbott, when he signed a bill dealing with the the grid uh, last year, uh, said, this is good. We're not going to have to worry about about power failures from here on out. And that. Why do politicians do that? Like, can they not control themselves? I mean, they know they're saying, they're setting up a punchline. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you, know, you have to be able to see know, that yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, getting going viral like in six months yeah, or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think that those kinds of, of issues. I mean, the, the practical concern of like, is my kid safe at school? The practical concern of, am I going to lose my power? Right. These are things that can uh, they can create some ideological and voting mm-hmm. shifts. So. Um, I think it's it's going to be something to watch. Um, we'll wrap things up there. Hope everyone's doing well, and we'll be back with you next week. Take care.